Rumors are dangerous things. Right. You don't want right. that kind of thing filtering you through want to the, the coffee. It? Those uh, it may or may not be. You got to do a lot of due diligence on these things. <laughs> they could have only been nine holes. That's not so great. <laughs> Taking a step down and seeing what what is that like? <laughs> well, for me, it was taking a step up. <laughs> Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Thanks for having us. This and, is great. And I just said, incredible. We're done. Welcome right? to the Get Real Estate Podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, what we'd like to do here is, you know, real estate's boring, so we like to get interesting stories from some interesting people. Good to have you. Are they coming you. today? Yeah, they are. So okay. they're out here. So I, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Like, get the interesting people. We're in. <laughs> the Synergy Group. There's so much synergy here. I'm very impressed. I don't even know this story. How long have y'all known each other? How'd you get connected? How did, how did it come together? Well, let's see. Known each other, that really is more on when I started in real estate, because Scott started before me. You started in... 05? 05. And I started in fall of 2011. Okay. So graduated Miami, Ohio, came back to the area, was not going to do grad school or unpaid internships for architecture. Yeah. Uh, got connected with the group that Scott was already with, so that would be 2011 and F, so 12 years. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. And it was like, I mean, a lot of shared hobbies, mm-hmm. sports, like things we've played growing up, and like, so it's just like naturally had a lot in common, but also from like a work ethic perspective and how we approach thing, things in business and all that just kind of aligned. Yeah. And when we started discussing the idea of like, Starting a team, going to Compass or whatever, it just made all the sense in the world. It really did. Where were you guys before Compass? We were long and foster before. Um, And I think the other thing, which I've said this, Scott, in you know various capacities, but when we decided to partnership and then move over to Compass, you know, each of us had always been approached at you know different times by the brokerages, and you're just out there kind of feeling. What's what's in the marketplace, yeah. um, but I think one thing outside of the core principles he talked about that also really helps the partnership is I think you're what eight years older than I am or nine, but our family dynamic. But you wouldn't look. look, you look you wouldn't yeah, look exactly. Yeah, you wouldn't yeah. look it. Yeah. Well, it helps yeah. that I'm only twenty. <laughs> <laughs> our family dynamic and kids are very close in age, right? So as far as like progress as to where you are in life and what you're prioritizing, there's never a doubt of like Mm -hmm. what each person has to do. Same age. And that is critical to like, I have had conversations with people who partnered and then it doesn't work out. And it's like those big life things, even after if you've got business principles aligned that interfere because people just have different objectives. No, 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 that, there are different that's a stages really good in life. I am uh, in the Cub Scouts. My kids are, and unfortunately, I realized this year they are all ten years younger than me. The fathers with uh-huh. the kids that are this age. Now, um, you know, luckily with uh, great genetics and really good care <laughs> and working out, I'm able to fit. No, but like it's weird. Like out of nowhere, I'm like, oh my god, I'm 45. I'm the old guy. I'm the old dad. Just like that. Happened so great, I even recognize it. You know what? You're not, though. The reality is you're not. Right. It's one of those things where, like, as you you build relationship as the principles, you you also just have this inherent camaraderie that just exists and just makes a a very strong bond where you need that. One of us walks into the office, the other person's there, and he just walks in, he has this look on the face like, kids, and you go... 
Yeah, got it. You get it, you <laughs> got get it right it. away. You don't have to yeah. say anything. Yeah. I'm there, you're there. Yeah. It's all good. You maybe yeah. throw a word like bust up. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, just exactly. to give one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. a really good point. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, you talked about hobbies, kind of like our impromptu hobby we're doing this afternoon where we're going In, golfing. Indeed, mm-hmm. yes. By the way, you guys are really good golfers. I heard rumor on the street <laughs> might have a 74 and a 75 in the last <laughs> round you guys played together. Rumors are dangerous things. <laughs> right. You don't want right. that kind of thing filtering through you want to the, confirm the it golf ethos. It may or may not be. You got to do a lot of due diligence on these things. <laughs> it could have only been nine holes. That's not that's so great. <laughs> One might say that's no. when you stop playing golf. When you shoot around like that, yeah. you say, "Okay, did it." Done. On that note, box it up. I also heard you may have put away your clubs for the winter and cleaned them because you're like, "That's the best it's going to get this year." Uh, and now you're being forced to go play this afternoon. Forced is a good way to put yeah. it for all the people out there. I am being forced to do, to do this, but you know what they say. Networking doesn't network itself, right? So you got to get out and you got to get it done. That's so great. Great. somebody's got to do it. Yeah, you guys are hard to talk to. Thanks for thanks for doing that. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. You know, you know what's funny? So golf is one of these things. Like I think a lot of the business that Scott and I have grown, outside of just like make sure the customer service is first and all the things that we know are like you must do these things to create a repeat referral business. I have become such a believer in investing the time in the hobbies and other things that you mm-hmm. like. Yeah. And then naturally business comes up, really particularly do. real estate, because everybody yep. wants to own it, owns it, wants to know about mm-hmm. it, have seen those types of things then help add to what we do. You're mm-hmm. a better version of yourself. You're doing stuff you like doing. Yes. So I, get, I mean, look, um, today, I'm going to have more fun with you guys than I would if I was at a, you know, have, I don't know, where some kind of like, the worst is like the conferences where you got your 10 by 10 table, you know, and yeah. you're like, and you're, you're like, I don't want to work with this title guy. Like, he's the worst, <laughs> but maybe I'll make you laugh a little today and you never know. So I, you're really onto something there. It's something that I also encourage uh agents who are getting into the business or even agents who have been in the business but they want to like add to what they're doing Mm -hmm. enjoy these other opportunities and look at them as opportunities not to sit there and elevator pitch every single person because then you're just annoying right but these things will naturally come up and so the more you're just with the people Mm -hmm. yeah the more that it 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 becomes a reality look i think part of it is it's not whether it's a sport or anything else whether it's you like to hike or whatever i think being in real estate finding balance is almost impossible Mm -hmm. Particularly being a parent who is in real estate, it's really hard. You have to make sacrifices. It's just part of the business. But finding ways to feed yourself from a spiritual, soulful kind of way, whether it's like for me, sometimes like getting out the golf course is that. Sometimes it's going by myself and hiking in Shenandoah or whatever those Mm -hmm. things are. Once you start to do that, you find people who are doing the same things. You're connected in that way. You're connected in a way it's like, you have a connection to whatever that thing is, and that connection builds upon itself. Mm-hmm. Having that is like crucial. You have to have that. Yeah. So like, if you don't have that, and you're out there, like, find the thing, or, or, or everyone has it. It's just they lose it, it? Yeah. and you got to go out and rekindle the thing because it's really important. My yeah. my favorite story that aligns with what we're talking about is, I was playing golf at Manor, mm-hmm. and in joining there, 
I, we have no family connection, no mm-hmm. history of clubs, any of that. I started jumping on random tea times and just being with the people, yeah. right? Summer. Just being one with the people. <laughs> just being one with the people. Right? Just taking a step down and seeing what, what is that like? <laughs> well, for me, it was taking a step up. Um, but anyway, about a year and a half ago, I was playing in the summer and happened to be in front of a group. They asked me, you know, do you want to join the three of us because you're just playing front? Okay, great. That sounds good. We start talking. At that point, I think Scott and I were at maybe 50 or 60 million in like June. Yeah. You know, we were really yeah. tracking at a hot pace. Um, leave the round, expect nothing of it. Fast forward seven months to spring the next year. And I get a call from this guy, Chris, who says, hey, I played golf with you this past summer at Manor. It was great talking to you about business. You mentioned that just you and your partner were at like 60 million for the year. You're clearly doing something right. I just put a contract on a house in Bradenton, Florida. I need to put my house on the market immediately can you come over all right what have we learned here you need to make sure he's out golfing more that is so true so i've actually i can only think of one time i've golfed by myself and i went out and i got had earphones on i was listening to a podcast randomly i'm with the ceo of navy fed because hmm. he and i playing together that's great and he's like yeah we have a title joint venture we actually have one with champion which you know they have their own thing but i hung <laughs> out with them all day <laughs> and like there was a relationship there so think of it think about how ridiculous that is right it's i mean it'd be so hard but i got to know the guy you yeah. get to know that guy if they like you they're going to want to work with people they like right definitely True. i think yeah. a big component of of this whole whole mindset and thinking is also just being curious Mm -hmm. right like not being so self-invested that you're not willing to talk to someone else and look there are going to be people where whether it's on the golf course in a social setting where some people are more closed and that's okay you don't need to dig that hole um and then other people if you are curious then they're suddenly curious about what you do and you know you can tell if it's yeah, I agree. And like, you know, in your industry, you hear sphere a lot. So let's say you're playing with someone, they're not selling a house, but, oh, it was great meeting you. My, oh, my brother's selling a house or my whatever. Like, you know, you never know how far that can go. I heard once about this guy who was a top wealth manager in the area. And the only thing he did was go to the golf course every day and just golf with someone. Else. And that was it. And he was one of the, and so like, there really is something there. I know golf sometimes gets shit because it's like oh there's not work and I completely disagree with that when we started the company there was 450 title companies in the area you really it's hard to get to know people as like I said at conference but it's not hard on the golfers Mm -hmm. I will give Compass a lot of credit for we work with a lot of Compass people they are they have good they have fun people they have good people they have fun people they've got a good culture that was one thing I always noticed when I was looking from afar at Compass great branding cool people and that matters yeah and i, I mean i heard i've heard great things from the the retreat like just people said it was so much fun and all that kind of stuff i've been to lots of <laughs> retreats for different companies and and you know whether it's the buffinis or we see yeah, coaching how renton and sure. we did a, a bunch of them the the compass retreat one of the reasons we joined compass is because of the quality agents that are there and this isn't a compass thing it's more of a you get to a level where the conversations you're having are very high level. Mm-hmm. You're weeding out all the noise of like 
transactional. You're, you're, you're talking about like we have a national networking team that we put together of agents from across the country. Yeah. And when we go to this conference, we all get together for dinner and we talk about things that are like very like, okay, I'm growing my business and here's this little bottleneck I'm running mm -hmm. into. And here, it's like the nuances of like once you get to a certain level, how do you attack that thing? How do you address that? How are we here as a resource for each other? So it's like not only are we just compass do that really well, but the agents within that do it really well. And there's a there's a philosophy of like really like kind of open book sharing where like even agents in our office, they come into us like all the time. They're like, hey, how do you do that? Or what are you doing with this? Yeah. We're like, this is how you do it. And the same yep. thing on the other side, I don't think you necessarily get that from a lot of brokerages. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. You also, you, the industry of real estate agents, the one thing I've noticed is they really share a lot more than other industries. Title companies don't like each other. Yeah. I, th I think it, it just speaks to what Scott was touching on in that the entry point to be a part of Compass mm -hmm. has this minimum standard that's high for yep. the industry as an average. And because of that, people don't. People have more of the abundance mindset. Yeah. There's not this scarcity of well, if I share how I'm doing agent retention on my team mm -hmm. and how I'm, you know, trying to cater to that or how I'm trying to bring new people in, they're not worried that sharing with you is going to cut out five percent of their business. Yeah. The, the, if anything, they're going to share with you, and then you may have feedback based on your own experience or based on hearing from someone else yeah. of that same thing, and then suddenly they've more likely added to their bottom line mm -hmm. or kept their bottom line in the same spot, but they're going to be able to do it more efficiently. And at the end of the day, what it comes down to is you can't worry about what anybody else is doing. All you can focus on is what am I doing? Am I doing it well enough? Am I providing that quality to my clients? Because I think we're in an environment right now where we're seeing flight to quality. I think you're going to yeah. continue to see that flight to quality into next year. And like, I believe we have a quality broker, but we also have a really quality team. We've built our systems out in a way that like we take care of our buyers and sellers and our investors and everything like that. And so like that's something that you know we talked before the podcast about like what are we up to? And we're like yeah. we're doing a lot of like serious like business planning on like how do we achieve these next milestones for the business where we're really and it's it's all about how do we make the experience better everything yeah. we do is let's start it how do we make the experience better and then back engineer and go this is how we do it, Love it. and so that's that's why like we're not concerned because like this is how you do it. like even these conferences you go to them and agents who've been doing this even seven eight years you can see them in the room and they're like how am I going to implement this? And most don't. Yeah. They come back from these things. They think they're excited. They sit down and then it's gone. Yep. And it's just like, if you can do two or three of these things and you're doing that kind of stuff, who cares about helping other people, mm -hmm. right? I, th I think the other thing, um, and I was just sort of making this connection in my head, that the standards of having joined Compass, where that has really translated into our own business, and I think we probably would have done this anyway, but yeah. it just... That, that sort of mindset that you're constantly surrounded by is in growing our team. <clears throat> I mean, we're looking to add agents, mm -hmm. but I tell you, in, in the last six months, um, 12 months even, you know, we've only even given the opportunity to less than a handful of people, yeah. and we've probably interviewed 20 different people. Oh, wow. Because similar to people joining Compass, people joining Synergy Group, yeah. we want to make sure that there's a very upfront alignment of standards, mm -hmm. of practice, uh, 
cohesive culture, right? Because it, there's nothing worse than bringing people in, investing, and then there's suddenly just such a break mm-hmm. in which we've done. Sure. Everyone makes and that we've course. experienced just growth right. pains, right? And you think of the time you put into training and all this yeah. stuff, and like you know, it's we've been trying to learn over the years, like. You know, we used to hire very fast, and I'm, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but, you know, if we can get more people on our team to interview people and just make sure they're a culture fit, yeah. you know, like that, it just really, truly matters. And back in the day, it was just like we'd have a couple people interview, and that was it. So that's one thing I think I agree with you on. Time's valuable. On the time front, I also like to give credit to some real estate agents. You know, first of all, the agents are under attack, right? Number one, you know, everyone's, oh, they make too much money. Right, but like I knowing being in the industry now for a while, man, you guys are always working. I don't think that's something you guys get enough credit for. Is just how much you guys well, are and, working. and to that point, the amount of work is always there, especially if you want to do the business at a high level. <clears throat> but I think it gets lost on a lot of people that none of that income is guaranteed. Yeah, that's true. Ever. Yeah, we have no base. There is none of that. Our base, thankfully, because we've been in the industry for a a while and we have a good, you know, Rolodex of great clients who come back to us Mm -hmm. or refer people to us. But at the end of the day, we could work with a buyer for six months and get paid nothing. Mm -hmm. And that is a big loss (laughs) as far as time invested, communication. I, I was just talking to someone on the way in today and it was like, when you have kids and you have bills, it's a ballsy move to be in a commission-only industry. There's a lot of people who can't do it. You know? There's a, it's a personality type yes. to even make that jump to say, I'm going to take a chance at going 100% commission, yeah. knowing I have these financial obligations. And it's not just the financial obligations personally. It's the business obligations. Like going for, like we've done a lot of our business plans. It's like, okay, we know we're spending this amount next year, and we have this much coming in, right? When you start this <laughs> a couple months ago, you're like, yeah. we have zero income, and we have these expenses. Yeah. This looks great, right? Mm-hmm. But you do that because you have a confidence you know that your network is there you know the marketing things that you do so you know that that part will kind of fulfill itself and that's one of the I think advantages too of having a team like that is like we can make that commitment to the marketing or doing some Mm -hmm. of those things even in a down market which we're kind of in now right volumes down and things like that but that's almost where you got to like double down Mm -hmm. and say this is where we really kind of invest bring in some good agents, that sort of thing. I I also think, and this kind of wraps back to making sure that people are the right culture fit. As we've grown the team, added staff, brought on more agents, I think there's a real satisfaction at knowing you are responsible for helping create income for other people, Mm -hmm. and it's worth it because they're helping you grow also. Right, And and so yes, you hit January 1 and you're like, we're starting at zero, and I know how much staff is going to cost this year, mm-hmm. but that's just the numbers on the page. Yeah. When you're in the office and you're talking to, like, Kristen, who's been with us mm-hmm. now, and she's amazing, like, you just know there's that inherent responsibility to make sure that that person is taken care of. Yep. And then everything else falls in line as long as you're doing the right things daily. Yeah. I'll tell you. Hey, Kristen. Yes. That's a understated mindset shift of getting to that point. Like, 
I'm just recently kind of getting to the point where it's always been like when we do transactions for clients, it's not about like buying or selling a house. It's about building wealth. Yeah. It's always been about putting them in a better financial position for them and their families over time. Mm-hmm. That is the goal, right? And I started hosting uh, this thing called the Cash Flow Breakfast Club in Arlington. We've got a really good group. We've been doing four or five sessions in. And it's not really a plug for that necessarily, but to say like the reason I'm doing it with another agent is because we're really trying to show people who are trying to get into investing how to build wealth, how to improve their lives, how to get their time back, which I'm still working on myself. But now that we've done this for four or five sessions, you do the first one, it's like it's a grind and the preparing, mm-hmm. it's at night and it's late. And then at the end of it, you have this like endorphin rush yeah. of like, I actually connected with some people and they're excited and they want to do this. And like, that was like, Wow, like yeah. meaningful. And every uh, one of these things we've done has gotten more interactive and you're getting people coming back and people are like, hey, I, I'm doing it. I put the place under contract. And it's like really cool to see people taking the risk, yep. calculated risk, how to do it. And being that like a little bit of like in a mentor role is like really fun. And it's like I'm looking forward to like as we go into next year, how that uh, grows and not only in the brokerage side, but in that capacity is just kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of like you were saying, tough market, investing in things that are a little different, creating relationships. It's You guys are doing a good job of always coming up with those things. It was funny when we started this, people are like, well, why would we do it? There's 4 million podcasts. It's like, if the only reason we're doing it is I get to like hang out with people I like working with and learn something about them. And every single podcast so far, I've learned a ton about people who I've known for a long time of stuff that I never even knew. Right. And so, but it's like, Oh, this is fun for me. And we're going to hang out. And I'm sorry. I'm making you golf this afternoon. Sorry, (laughs) Kristen, by the way, I apologize about that. We're not actually golfing Kristen. But it's like, it goes back to like you were saying, doing fun things you like, it always ends up working out and creating Uh, another thing to Scott's point about like the, the breakfast club and just like our business in general, parenting one thing that i saw recently that resonated so quickly which really had to do with parenting but then it makes sense in a business application if you feel parenting is hard it's because you're probably a good parent and you care about your kids (laughs) because if it wasn't hard and you didn't like you wouldn't care and it would just be laissez-faire so my point, and then looking you at speak that, French. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> French, very difficult. Oh, oh my God. Here we go. <laughs> That's a little something. Glad he asked me to say that just so we can do that. By the way, in that regard, we are always our own worst critics oh, yeah. about doing things, which then leads to why we are having the success that we're having. Everything I do, I go could have been better, and yeah. I gotta like. Get away from yeah. that a little bit. It's a good because, quality. Because yeah. it's a good quality, but it also, like, Until it's that's how you go crazy. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's also a psychological problem. Yeah. You yeah. could chase that care for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Chase that and dragon. That's why golf is the never-ending sport you'll always like. It's totally. probably why the three of us want to play it so yeah. Exactly, right? <laughs> so another thing we like about this podcast is, I, I was saying earlier, we always learn something kind of ridiculous, something I wouldn't know. Just give me, like, a story out of the 
on the job, some ridiculous stuff that's happened. I had Kevin Lincoln here not too long ago. There was some stuff he told me. Quite remarkable. That's probably the worst guy to have to follow with <laughs> wild stories. Wholesaling. Yes. During the whole foreclosure, and I think I actually got into market in 04, because I had a couple years where it was insane, and then I was there for the Great Recession when things went when things plummeted and we had foreclosure, which represented like 40% of the market, I remember showing people houses and there was a lot of that like multi-families in a house thing going on and yeah. like you'd walk into the house and every door in the house was locked sort of thing. You couldn't get in mm -hmm. and it was super sketchy. Yeah. I mean, and so there, there were times where I would walk in with my clients and they're shooting me the look like, let's get out of here, yeah. right? Yeah. But what? But you, you press on. You're like, this is a good deal. Let's take a look around. You knock on the doors, and you never knew what you were going to get behind those sure. doors. And there were times where we would open the doors, and there were drug deals happening, legit yeah. drug deals happening. Yeah. There was look maybe just because you were there to buy drugs. Also, <laughs> well, no, then the drug deal happened. No. Yeah. Yeah. But like between that, like, like. Possibly prostitution happening. Possibly. Like Possibly. I don't know exactly what's going on in these rooms, but it was a, and it wasn't like a one-off thing. It's like it was like almost a point where like we'd go in these house and I'd go, all right, guys, we're gonna go in, but let me tell you how this is gonna go, yeah. right? Yeah. And it was like a good two or three year window where you would get that in D.C., mm -hmm. Northern Virginia, maybe even a little more prevalent in some neighborhoods. Yeah. And it's just wild now to be going back to some of those same neighborhoods and showing properties and, and like, you've got that, like, PTSD. You You're like, this is weird, the most ridiculous thing happened <laughs> yeah, ever. Yes, yes yeah. exactly. And now the, you know, properties are three times the value whenever, and they're super renovated and everything yeah. else. But it's like that kind of stuff that just, the every day of it. You mentioned D.C. foreclosures and, you know, a little dangerous from time to time, and now those properties have really increased in value. The other thing we are seeing, though, is, you know, D.C. is having some issues right now. And yeah. some people are scared of certain areas. Like, what's your take on that? And you know, is there a way to turn that around? Oh, man. How yeah. much longer do we have? <laughs> can I, can I use a lifeline and yeah. phone in the mayor? Look, total transparency. I'm losing money on an investment deal right now that a year and a half ago, actually two years ago when we bought the land, penciled as a grand slam. Yeah. Yeah. And the number one reason we're losing is because of crime. Yeah. We've had tons of showing on it, and people are uncomfortable because the area has changed so much. Mm -hmm. And I know that's true with a lot of other developers who are launching projects as well. They're all experiencing the same problem. Yeah. We have to, and it's not just a D.C. problem. It's a U.S. problem. They have to get this under control, yeah. the crime and, and the checks and balances of that, and making sure the streets are safe for people to move around is crucial. It's, it's imperative to make sure that real estate can grow and thrive. I've got, and it's really disappointing to see this, I've got people who are like D.C. lifers, who've mm -hmm. had kids there, who want to grow up in the city, who want to contribute to the growth of the city, yeah. who are now leaving. Who They've called me, and there's, there's disappointment in their tone when they go, it's us, we're ready to sell 11th Street, we're ready... And you're like, oh man, like yeah. that sucks. And they're moving out to suburbs. And you're seeing that. Like DC prices are down. Montgomery County, Arlington County, where a lot of them are moving to, are still stabilized or even still seeing some appreciation. That's a big piece of that migrant yeah. flow. Yeah. I didn't bring a broom with me. It wasn't a window sure. testing company. Right? <laughs> 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 so so <laughs> you know, already I'm sitting yeah. there trying to like move the glass off the sidewalk with my feet because 
you know, you, you, yes, that can happen everywhere, and that's not as bad as I think some of the things that we're really talking about. But the fact that it exists, and then someone walks to the front mm -hmm. door of your open, I saw it. Sure, they're gonna see. They're it. gonna see it. That is not and a how good much, look for anyone. You know, how much do you think this is related to? Oh, we're not charging people for crimes of you know under this amount or whatever. Is you know, is that part of it in your opinion? I think that look at just DC alone, the Harris Teeter. At Potomac Yard uh, or at Potomac at Metro has closed mm -hmm. because of yeah. uh, what do they call it? Um, theft is is uh, what's the terminology they use? It's leakage, yeah. right? So yeah. they call it leakage. Target was it five hundred million dollars in leakage? Something some insane preposterous yeah. number. Look at the Walmart in D.C. that was down. Uh, town off the like central business district closed yeah. Yeah. and you go okay it's a big problem and I know that like realtors are a mouthpiece for that and realtors have been like I know that Compass the Capitol Hill office put together a petition that they sent to the mayor which I've signed and I know a lot of people there that said like look this is a real problem we need to do something and we're here to help like yeah. I want to be a part I of this I think that's the thing is like it just uh, it needs to be considered. It needs to be talked about. What solutions? How do we help you? You know, like yeah. I have my these other friends in these businesses. Like, man, I just want to like create a. I want to be able to survive, and I'm here to help. And I'm paying for private security, even though I'm losing money. Like, there's there's some challenges out there. I just hope whether it's the government or what, they're open to smart people like yourselves who want to help the community. Like well, and the that. thing is, and, and look, like I wouldn't consider myself nearly smart enough or savvy enough to be in that space to like have a solution to fix the problem. But I think one thing that would be good to focus on is how does your local government create opportunities for, you know, when we look at crime, a lot of it stems from that teenage year, we don't have other things better to do and we don't have good role models. Right. How do you create community opportunities where the decision between, you know, joining a gang or doing bad things yeah. is less attractive than participating in productive things that then will ultimately help those people live more sustainable lives in the areas that we're serving. I had a flip we were doing and a lot of the flips we would buy and, and still will if you got an investment opportunity. <laughs> yeah. um, where we come in and everyone leaves everything in the house. We say, don't worry about it. We'll come in and just clear it. So we did that. We got this house. We go in there and there's stuff everywhere. Horror house kind of thing. Yeah. And this was a, a retired doctor from years ago. Oh, yes. And we find a human skull in one of the closets. Oh, oh. Human skull, right? And so we name it, of course, because that's what you do. You gotta name the skull. And so the skulls like bounce around. And at one point, so what I would do is after we get like the initial stuff cleared out, there's still a lot of like furniture and utensils and like silver platters and all this kind of stuff now. So I would I would send an email to like my family and extended family, go, hey, go through the house. Yeah. Like if there's something you want, take it. Yeah. and go. So they would do that and then they'd be like, yeah, we went by, thanks. Clear stuff out. So we do that on this house. It was a single family in D.C. We go back through and I notice the skull is gone. And I'm like... Now, are we sure? Are we, are we talking about a real skull? Real skull. Full, full real skull, human. Yeah. So the skull is gone. Yeah. And... I'm like, all right, I got to now circle back to everybody on the list and go, did you take the skull? <laughs> Who took the skull? Yes. And most of the people I call and I'm like, 
did you take the mic? Who takes a skull, right? Yeah. That's the norm. <laughs> skull so anyway, was already gone. So I find <laughs> yeah. the person who yeah. will go unnamed. You know who you are. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> who took the skull, okay? Here's, here's how we level up this story. They took the skull and they said, I wanted to give the skull the respect it deserved, and I gave it a proper burial <clears throat> in my yard. I buried the skull in my backyard. Wow. So they did, okay? <laughs> Fast forward, they call me and they're like, we're ready to list the house, we're moving. I forget about the skull. I, was gonna say, I, thought, I thought you were thinking, hey, well, we're gonna, we should probably get rid of that skull. No, 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 I forget about the skull. So we list the house, we sell the house. The house has now sold, okay? I'm not gonna mention where this house is, but there is a skull. Buried in this yes. backyard right yes. now. I said, there's going to be a dog yes. that's going <laughs> to yes. go in that backyard like the movies. Yep. And it's going <clears> to <throat> and it's gonna expose the skull. And that's going to launch yes. this whole investigation. investigation. Yeah. FBI. Who got killed here? Yeah, who got killed? Who's buried here? It's going to be where's, a confusing story. Well, it was in where's the closet. Where's, and then we where's, took it. Yeah. And then we buried it. Yeah. Like, Where's the rest of the dismembered yes. body? Yeah. Yeah. Sure you did, bud. <laughs> Tell us the station. Be, this yeah. might be the only thing that gets you off of a murder. That's right. Yes, so this is them. the this is not a confession. <laughs> this is, <laughs> That's ridiculous. But it's that kind of stuff that you're like, you can't make that up, no. right? No. That just it happens. Just, it's three it's six degrees of, I think I think one of my best stories was I was showing townhouses in Reston in like twenty thirteen. 14, I was like two years into it, still super green yeah. in the industry. And I put a townhouse under contract. It was just a vacant property. We go there for walkthrough like an hour before settlement. And we're going through the house. Everything's going great. I get to the basement. The clients are just following me, and I'm just kind of showing them, going through the checklist. And I go to open the, the walkout basement sliding glass door, and right before I do that, I'm like, What's that big lump on the ground? This like big black lump. And then I look and I'm like, oh, that's a homeless guy in a sleeping bag. <laughs> yeah. And of course, because I am just so flustered. Well, he wasn't homeless. I yeah, exactly. <laughs> As this like equation is going through my head of putting it together, oh my God, that's a person. I just blurted it out. Oh my God, that's a homeless guy. Yeah. And my clients are two feet behind me. And we are supposed to go to settlement. Feeling really good about in the like house an hour. to settle on. <laughs> yeah. Congrats. Yeah. And so I go up to the window, which was a little closer to this person's head. And yeah, yes, I made sure that the door was locked. Knock, 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 knock. Guy like kind of out of his slumber, looks at us and is just like, Holy shit, there are people in this vacant house that is not supposed to be. <laughs> Packs his bag, throws it over the fence, he jumps the fence, never see him again. And still went to settlement, but that had tingles up my back yeah. the entire time. So you're at the settlement table and you're like, so homeless guy, right? Uh, <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> Just like, I, you know, especially new in the industry, yeah. you're trying to practice your scripts and dialogues. There is no script or objection yeah. handler. You see a lot. You know, like, like, it's a, it's a, a wild job going into some of these foreclosures, like you said, and like we we had one where we show up at this house, listing agent standing outside. We come up, we're like, "Hey, let's go see the place." He's like, "Okay, go ahead. You're good to go. You got to go through this door, then you got to go through the garage door to get into the house." Mm -hmm. Problem is, in the garage was 
the most wild, rabid beast of a dog. So I look at it and I go, I don't think we're going no. in this property. Yeah. And my client turns to me and goes, no, Scott, we got to get in this place. It's going to be a good investment opportunity. So I say, I turn to the agent. I'm just rabies. I just turn to the agent like this, and the agent's already doing this. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no way I'm going to this house. So he points. There's a little, you could see there's a little window in the door. He points, and there was a thing of dog treats on, like, the mantle. And he goes, here's what you do. One of you go get the dog treats, <laughs> and you fling a couple dog treats into the corner. The dog will get the treats, and you run into the house. No joke. So this thing's sitting on the couch. There's like a Doberman slobber coming yeah. up, full teeth. Not like, hey, I'm kind of nice, but you're in my... This thing was ready to take off an arm. So I go in, and I'm up against the wall like this, scaling across this room. And this thing is like a second away from jumping off that couch. And I grab a handful of those treats and I just toss them into the corner and we go dashing into the house. So when people make comments like, you get paid too much, I'm yeah. like, work night and weekends and be a dog wrangler. <laughs> in in Can addition, I throw out a new possible slogan? <laughs> the Synergy Group. We'll get rabies for you. Yeah, and like, exactly. Yeah. Hey, that's impressive. That it, was, impressive. it was impressive. And he didn't end up buying the house out of oh, And I was going to say, so, oh. and in that moment, he could have not that's bought the house and then you earned no income. And luckily, bad. you didn't come away with any yeah, bite right. marks yeah, but exactly. amazing great job it's great having you guys here i mean Thanks like i said tough to talk to you not easy to um let's tell some people about the synergy group like you know where can they find you what's the best way to find you synergy group we are so synergysoldit.com is our yep. primary website uh we're a boutique firm with compass we have we have a really important smart growth uh, model that we're on. We do brokerage, property management, development. We work with investors. We're extremely well-rounded. We're a very educated team that makes sure, again, like we're not transactional. We are in it for the long run with our clients to make sure we're building wealth and you're making really smart decisions, particularly in a market like this. Yeah. We'll be the first to tell you don't buy. We'll be the first to tell you to rent a property versus sell a property. It's all about your financial well-being. And that resonates with our clients. It's why we're like 80% referral based. Mm -hmm. um, and we are looking to grow. So if that resonates with you and you're interested in learning more about our team and how we grow and opportunities that are available, let us know. Yeah. So SynergySoldIt.com and at SynergySoldIt on Instagram. Um, we got to go. Yeah. Uh, we literally have to sprint and run. <laughs> this, was, this was amazing. Yes. Good job. Was. I mean, yeah. Thank you. Thank